Amen. Thank you for that. Let's pray together. Our gracious God and King, Lord, we come before you now, Lord, and we do praise you that you have sent your one and only Son to to be our sacrifice and to be our redemption. And Lord, what began in a, a manger in a town of Bethlehem would lead to an empty tomb in the city of Jerusalem and even now to the church today. And for that, God, we give you all the glory, Lord. I pray that you will help us as we dive into your word and as we celebrate this season, as indeed we are just one week away from Christmas, Lord, that we would be reminded that there is a reason that that child came. There is a reason that that baby was laid in that manger. And that reason is that you came to save your people. And God, that this is not just the, the, the Israelites in Israel, Lord, that you had extended your grace and your gospel to all the nations of people from every tribe, tongue, and nation. And indeed, whether it is here in Elizabethtown, Kentucky, or as far away as Poland, Lord, you and your spirit are doing a, a, a wonderful thing and that your, your gospel and the Great Commission is going forth to save all people. Father God, I pray that you will constantly put a burden on our heart to, to, to hear and to minister to other people, that we will support groups like the International Mission Board through the Lottie Moon Christmas offering, and that, Lord, through all of this, whether it is celebrating as we do today and in throughout the, this next week or two, but and, and on through um, our lives, Lord, that we would be witnesses to the God, of the gospel of Jesus Christ to all those who would listen. So God, even now, we ask that you would prepare our hearts to hear the good news of the gospel and our part in the good news of the gospel, and that, Lord, you would transform us today so that we might be used by you for your kingdom and for your glory. Lord, we ask these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. As we turn to Scripture today, I want to take just a moment to remind you of the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. You saw today a video, and this is kind of a special video today, in that this is not one that just the International Mission Board sent us, that this is one that the missionary sent us. Um, the Dudas are from right here in Elizabethtown, Kentucky, and they are, are doing ministry out and about. And because of that, they wanted to send us and other churches in our area a personal one to, to support Lottie Moon. And so we want to encourage you today. There should be envelopes in the pews in front of you. If there is not, they are out in the vestibule. And we want to encourage you to sacrificially give towards the Lottie Moon Christmas offering this year. Um, every single cent that you give towards Lottie Moon goes towards helping them do what they do. It's going to provide the resources, the materials, the gas in their car, whatever it is that they might need to share the gospel with people, whether it be in a place like Poland or down in Brazil with our, our mission partners down there and really throughout the globe. And so I want to encourage you to give to that. I also, and the reason I'm stopping to mention this today, we're also going to do something today um, that I want to give you a heads up on. Uh, we had a family that our church is connected to um, had a house fire uh, just a few days ago, and their house burnt down, and it was a total loss. Um, they live in the area. They're actually down in LaRue County. And imagine for just a moment, you're a, a, a man and a woman. You are not only taking care of your mother, but also taking care of your grandchildren. And then your house burns down about a week before Christmas. They have some needs. 
I think that's to say the least. And they praised the Lord. They had a home that they could go into, but they don't have clothes. They don't have Christmas stuff. They don't have any of that stuff. And so we as a church are going to collect a love offering at the end of the service. Um, if I can get a couple of deacons to be out in the back with a plate. And uh, as you feel led to give, I would encourage you to do so. And we're going to take all that money and we're going to make sure that it gets to them so that they can buy clothes, they can buy Christmas stuff, whatever they might need. And uh, we want to help them with that and, and just pass on the love of Christ to them today. Now, having said all that, let's get into our text today. Please turn with me to Matthew chapter 2, and we're going to be reading verses 1 through 12. This should be a familiar passage to us as we are continuing our study, looking at people that come in and out of the Christmas stories that we know and love. If you are able, please stand for the reading of God's Word. And we're going to read Matthew chapter 2, starting in verse 1 and reading through to verse 12. And the word of God says this. It says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled in all of Jerusalem with him. Gathering together all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for this is what has been written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, land of Judah, by no means least among the leaders of Judah, for out of you shall come forth a ruler who shall be shepherd my, who shall shepherd my people Israel. When Herod, then Herod secretly called the Magi and determined from them the exact time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. And when you have found him, report to me so that I too may come and worship him. After hearing the king, they went on their way and the star, which they had seen in the east, went on before them until it came and stood over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. After coming into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell to the ground and worshiped him. Then, opening their treasures, they presented him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been, born, been warned by God in a dream not to return to Herod, the Magi left for their own country by another way. Please be seated. I was struck in in the passage as we read it this morning and as I was preparing for the message when it says that these magi, these people from the east, came to the place where Jesus was and it said they fell to the ground and worshipped him. This, imagine this for just a moment, what a scene this might have been, that these, these ruling people, these people, in a very high-class people, show up in this little town of Bethlehem, and, and they enter just a, an everyday run-of-the-mill home and find this, this woman who is an everyday woman with a, a child that is just another of the many children in the town of Bethlehem. And these, these great and wealthy foreigners suddenly fall to their knees and begin to worship a child. Many believe this is a fulfillment of what we read in Isaiah chapter 60 that says, Arise, shine, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness will cover the earth and deep darkness the people, but the Lord will rise upon you and his glory will appeal to you. Nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. 
It is from this actual belief and this idea that this is the fulfillment of Isaiah chapter 60 that we get songs like We Three Kings. So if we look at Matthew 2, we recognize that, that they don't say then three kings came from the east, but rather these magi. But when we put these two verses together, we get the song, We Three Kings. Even though our passage mentions magi and doesn't actually mention the number three, but rather that there were three types of gift given. However, there is more going on in this passage today than just the fulfillment of this one prophecy. See, God is communicating something about Jesus and about his mission through these people and through this entire interaction. As we continue in our series about the people that have come in and out of Jesus' life during the the stories that we relate to the Christmas stories, we, we come to this passage where we have to address the magi or wise men, depending on your translation. And I hope that through our study today, we begin to realize that Christ came for people beyond just the nation of Israel. But in fact, he came for the Gentiles. In fact, indeed, we'll see today that he has come for all nations. So let's begin with the question, what is a magi? Because that's not a word that we necessarily know, and most of us either know them as the wise men. You undoubtedly have your nativity here as we do, and the wise men are there. You might be one of those nativity purists who don't think that the wise men should be there because it's highly likely that, that the wise men did not come, the magi did not come until years later. I believe that, but we thought it would be really weird if we put the magi in the back of the building and said, well, they're, they're not there yet. But nevertheless, we we know who they are, we sing the song, we see them in our nativities, but we really don't know what a magi is. There's a lot of tradition surrounding these men. Early Christianity kind of came up with the number three. They gave them names and hometowns and backstories. And you can look through uh, uh, old traditional stuff and, and, and they'll tell you all sorts of great and fantastic stories about these men and their journey. But there's not a lot of truth behind any of it. It is the church trying to come up with stories and undoubtedly probably creating holidays to go along with them. Most of the stories come later, and it's highly unlikely that there's any historical accuracy to them. But there are some things that we can pull from our text today in order to understand what these magi are. And one of the kind of the most significant things is the word magi itself. The New Testament is actually um, written in Greek, but the word magi is actually not a Greek word. That in reality, they had to borrow the word probably from what they actually were in order to kind of understand who we're dealing with. The word magi is actually coming from the neighboring language to the east. This is not that different for us. We in the English language do lots of things to kind of uh, borrow words from other people. We use words like wanderlust, which is from my you know favorite German language. We also have things like hors d'oeuvres, which we're going to be serving at the open house today. And you know, there's words like suave, which best describe people like Matthew in the back. This word comes, this word magi actually comes from Persia. And Persia is immediately to the east. In Jesus' day, Persia was part of the Par- Parthenian Empire. 
Today it would be present-day Iraq and Iran. The word that we have borrowed into the Greek is actually designated of a religious class or a religious caste within Persia that dealt with all things spiritual and religion, which included astronomy and astrology or the interpreting of stars. It is very likely that Daniel himself was the leader of this group of people. We can actually go to Daniel chapter 2 and read these words. It says, Then the king promoted Daniel and gave him many great gifts, and he made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon and the chief prefect over all the wise men of Babylon. The word wise men that we find here is in the Hebrew, and it's just a word that means wise men, but it is probably meaning these, this case, this group of people that were the religious leaders or, or the religious holy people of the kingdom of Babylon. We realize that these people were Gentiles who probably barely had a working knowledge of the Jewish faith, of the the Jewish faith, um, what the Messiah might be, but they still fell down and worshiped the child who that they believed was the king of the Jews. This leads to the question, what should this mean for us today? Why is it that these magi, these, these, these uh, star readers, these, these holy people, or not holy people, these kind of religious people who came from the, the neighboring empire, who came to worship Jesus, what should this mean for us today? The first thing I think we should learn from our passage today is that God has always been for the nations. Throughout Scripture, we see time and time again that God's power, sovereignty, and His love has always extended to all people. I want want us to think about that when we think about the Great Commission and, and Lottie Moon and all that we do as a church. We have to remember that God's heart has always been for the nations, for all people of the earth. Going all the way back to Abraham and the covenant that God made with Abraham, we read this in Genesis 12. Now the Lord said to Abraham, go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your family's house to the land that I will show you and I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and I will make your name great and you shall be a blessing and I will bless those who bless you and the ones who curse you I will curse and in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. Even from the very moment that God made his covenant with Abraham, who would be the father of of the Jewish people, he said, but all the nations will be blessed through you. Moving forward, we could go to the Exodus event, which we might look at and we might say that this is clearly a a thing that happened to Israel, that that God redeemed Israel, the nation of Israel for himself. And yet, look at Exodus 19. It says, Moses went up to God and the Lord called to him from the mountain saying, thus you shall say to the house of Jacob and tell the sons of Israel, you yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you as eagles on eagles wings and brought you to myself. Now then, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be my own possession among the peoples for all the earth is mine and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. 
These are the words that you shall speak to the sons of Israel. Even in this passage, we have the idea that God is presenting that you are going to be a people for myself and that you are going to be my priests to the nations. That you will be my representative, my intermediary. That you will be the one that will take the name of the Lord with you into the promised land so that everybody who knows you and interacts with you will realize that there is a God in Israel who is sovereign over all. Even in the Exodus, God's intention for Israel was to be a witness to the glory of God to all the people. We can go to the prophets. In Isaiah chapter 25, we read these words that the Lord of hosts will prepare a lavish banquet for all peoples on this mountain. A banquet of aged wine, choice pieces of marrow and refined aged wine. I like that he says wine twice. And on this mountain, he will swallow up the covering which is over all peoples and even the veil which is stretched out over all nations. He will swallow up death for all time and the Lord God will wipe tears away from all faces and will remove the reproach of his people from all the earth for the Lord has spoken. As the old saying goes, I think made famous in Liberty University or Liberty Seminary is that all means all and that's all all means. And notice how he says that this is for all peoples, all nations, all faces. And that death will be removed from all. See, again, the vision was not that just that the Messiah would come and that when the Lord returned that he would redeem a small people that was the nation of Israel, but that the good news of the gospel of redemption and the forgiveness of sins was for all peoples. Finally, we can even look at Jesus' own genealogy. If you have your Bibles open to Matthew chapter 2, you can just turn the page to Matthew chapter 1 and see this genealogy of Jesus. Now, I wanted Bob Moore to come up and read it for me, but he refused, and I still don't know why. But as you look at the genealogy of Jesus, I want you to notice two names. In verse 3, you see the name of the woman, Tamar. And in verse 5, you see the name of a woman, Ruth. Now, I think if you look through the rest of that, you'll notice that these are the only two women mentioned. But I want you to know something else about these two women. Tamar was from Timnah, which was a Philistine city. Ruth was from Moab. She was a Moabite woman. Both the Philistines and the Moabites were considered enemies of Israel, and yet Jesus' story is intertwined with theirs. Matthew wanted us to know that Jesus came for all people, not just Israel. And that for Jesus to arrive when he did, the way he did, it took a Philistine and a Moabite. Because Christ did not just come to save Israel, but he came to save Israel and Philistia and Moab and the United States of America and Germany and Poland and Brazil and Russia and China and Japan and Vietnam and North Korea. That brings us to the Magi. And I think it is so interesting that while the shepherds who watched their flocks by night 
got to be there when Jesus was born. It was the Magi. These Gentiles coming from the next country over, Iraq and Iran, that the Scriptures tell us specifically bowed down and worshipped Him as the Christ, Emmanuel, God with us. Even today, God is drawing people to Himself. And God's heart for the nation means that God is calling the nations to Himself. We do not know for certain how the Magi knew that this star over Bethlehem belonged to this king of the Jews or the Christ. They don't give us the charts and the things. They don't give us the, the, the Eastern prophecies or, or writings that, that may have existed. But we can probably likely deduce that it was Daniel who told them of the Messiah. If we go to Daniel chapter 9, we read these words in verse 25. He says, So you are to know and discern that from the issuing of a decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until Messiah the Prince, there will be 70 weeks and 62 weeks, and it will be built again with plaza and moat, even in times of distress. See, Daniel was already making these prophecies about this Messiah that was to come and this Son of Man who who would be there. And, And I imagine some of those writings began to linger and stay in Babylon. He may have related to them what he knew from even the Pentateuch. In Numbers chapter 24, verse 17, it says, I see him, and now, and not now. I behold him, but not near. A star shall come forth from Jacob. A scepter shall rise from Israel. This is from the the blessings of of Balaam. And he may have related this to them and they said, listen, what we know is there's going to come a time where this country to to the west of us that that they know is Israel is going to have a new king and there'll be a star related to it. And and this is about the time it's going to happen. And all of that put together, suddenly a star appears in the west. And all of their writings and all of their things point to the birth of of the king of the Jews. We do know that God used this special star to bring them to His Son. And we hear even today of how God works in the hearts of men to bring them to Jesus. See, what's so fascinating about this is these people did not really know anything, and yet they saw the star and they had just enough knowledge to say, I need to go. And what's amazing is we still hear stories like this today. Nick Ripkin, in his book, Insanity of God, writes this story about a man named Pramana whose life was falling apart. It says, after seeking the help of his local imam, this man lived in a Muslim nation, he began praying and fasting. One night he heard a voice that said, find Jesus, find the gospel. The voice went on to say, get out of bed, go over the mountain, down the coast to a certain city. When you get to that city at daybreak, you will see two men. When you see these men, ask for a street. And when you find that street, look for this specific number. I'm keeping it general for our purposes this morning. Go to the door and tell them why you've come. 
The man did exactly as he was told. And as he got to that certain house on that certain street, he knocked on the door and a man opened up and he said, what do you want? And and the man said, I need you to tell me about Jesus and the gospel. And the man looked at, at at this man who'd had the dream and he said, do you really think I'm that stupid? He says, I know, I know that you guys are, are looking, that, that there's people in this town looking for, for Christians so that they can persecute them and arrest them. And there's no way I'm going to fall for this trap. And he goes, whoa, 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 I don't know anything about a trap. And he told him, I had this dream and the dream told me to do this and here I am. And the man welcomed him in and began to tell him about who Jesus was and what the gospel was. And ultimately, he began to give his life to Christ and to follow the Lord. And not only did he get saved, but his family got saved. And he returned to his home village, a follower of Jesus and a missionary to his town. See, God is still calling people to himself. See, even as we are here this morning, There are undoubtedly people at Target and Walmart and Rural King and Kohl's and anywhere else people shop for Christmas stuff. And as they are walking around and buying their stuff and and frantically trying to hide it from their kids who may be in the shopping cart with them, because mothers, you all know how you've done that. They're hearing overhead sounds like, Oh, little town of Bethlehem. And God is calling them to himself. And these people work with you. And these people uh, bring their kids to your daycare. And these are the people that you're going to interact with is, is because they work at the restaurant that you like to, to eat at or they're your neighbors right next door. And God is calling them to Him. But then the most exciting part is even though God is calling them to Him, He's wanting to use us to share Christ. If we look at the story of the man um, that had the dream, we recognize that, that God called him to Himself, but it was still a follower of Jesus that ultimately shared the good news of the gospel with him. And that is where we come in as well. See, we are called to share unknowingly, even with the wise men as they came to, to introduce themselves to Herod and said, and said, we are here because of the star and, and we have come to, to, to meet and to worship this new king of the Jews. And they still had to go to scripture to say, oh, you need to go to Bethlehem. And God has put us in a position even today to go and to tell people the good news of the gospel. Christ came for Gentiles like these magi in our passage today. And through Jesus, God has made a way for his people from every tribe, every tongue and every nation to follow him. And while he is drawing them to himself, he has still commissioned us to make him known to them. And there is no better time than right now. In just a few short days, on Wednesday, we will be celebrating our candlelight service. Our last big time to gather together before Christmas Day. 
in order to direct our attention to the good news that Jesus has come. But will you allow God to use you to bring people to Himself? Will you faithfully invite someone to candlelight, um, bring them on Christmas morning, encourage them to, to hear the good news of the gospel as they sing, O holy night, silent night, O little town of Bethlehem. Will you be the one that says, do you know what that song is about? Do you know why Bethlehem is important? Do you know what made that night a holy night? And will you share the good news of the gospel with those who need to hear it? During this season, we focus our attention on things like Lottie Moon and therefore focus our attentions on things like international missions. And a passage like this is a reminder to us that God is calling all of us to be used to bring the gospel to the nations. He is calling us to pray. He is calling us to give. And He is calling us to go. And for some, that does mean surrendering our lives to missions and and going to to the far-off places like we've seen in our video today. And many of you have done as you've gotten on airplanes for short-term mission trips or, or all different kinds. But for most of us, In fact, I would argue for all of us in this room right now, we've been called to go to the people on our street and at our jobs and at our clubs and our organizations, our kids' sports teams. And we've been called to share the gospel with them now. And we don't need to worry about what we're going to say or whether they're going to, how they're going to respond, or whether they're, they're supposed to hear the gospel or not. All we need to know is that God is drawing people to Himself. And He's called us to be a part of that story. Will you answer that call today? Will you answer the call to be the one who shares the good news of the gospel with somebody this week to invite them to a, a Christmas gathering or, or a something where you can share the gospel with them. Will you answer the call today to just make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior? These magi said, for we have come to worship Him. Will you do that today? Will you surrender your life to Jesus, fall down before Him, and worship? If that is your desire today, we are are going to close out our service with one more song. We would invite you to to come up. I'm going to stand right here during that closing song and, and have a conversation with me about what it means to give your life to Jesus.
If God is calling you today, there's someone that you have, God has burdened your heart with to, to go and share the good news of the gospel, that, that you, someone that you believe that God is, is drawing to himself and wants you to be a part of that story, and you want to take time just to pray for them, these steps are open and available. We would love for you to come and pray over those people and take that time to lift them up. But however God is re- calling you to respond today, we invite you to do that. Let's pray together. Our gracious God and King, Lord, we thank you so much for your word. God, we praise you because you have called us to yourself. Lord, as we look at the story of the the three wise men and, and look at the story of the Magi from the east, God, we praise you because we are reminded that you have sent your son not just for uh, the, the, the Jews or not just for some specific group, Lord, but that you sent your son to die on the cross because you loved the world. And that there will come a day where every tribe, every tongue, every nation will, will uh, be worshiping before the throne of God. God, I pray that we will be a church that, that not only uh, just proclaims the gospel, but that goes to the nations to see the word of God proclaimed and to see the nations come to know Christ in saving faith. Father God, I know for, that, for those of us here today that for some of us that means surrendering our lives to you to you today god for others i know that means answering the call to go and to make the gospel known lord however you are calling us today lord i pray that we will respond and god we ask these things in jesus precious name amen